0: She wants to dance and drink all night Well, there's no one that can stop her She's going till the house lights Come up, or stomach spills onto the floor This night is gonna end When we're damn well ready For it to be over What's all Hi, I'm Michael Radigan with my co-host, Catherine silverman. Uh, this is three cheers for goaltender interference. Uh, this we've been away for a couple weeks. Um, so a bunch of housekeeping really quick. You can follow me at Mikey rides. You can follow cat at cat M silverman. You can follow the podcast at three cheers for goal one. And that's the number three and the number one. Um, Or you can follow our producer, Maxwell Spar, at Maxwell Spar. Speaking of Max, um, our last episode, I mentioned towards the end that we were doing a uh, college hockey frozen four pool and we were donating half of the winnings to Black Girl Hockey Club. And um, we got a decent amount of people. So thank you to everyone that joined and participated and, you know. It was a really fun tournament to watch. Um, congratulations to Max. He won our pool, and ironically enough, his alma mater, UMass, won the championship. So, uh, congrats, Maxie. Um, Kat, how are you doing? We were, uh, we you know, had to take a couple weeks there because we both got our second COVID vaccine, and we both were working, and we were both feeling the ill effects of that second shot, so... Uh, how's it going? How are you feeling and doing?
1: Yeah, uh, like, like I said before, we officially started a recording. Um, I'm not sure if I feel kind of out of it because my child's been like sucking my soul through my ear like some sort of dementor or because I don't get good sleep because I'm a piece of shit um, or because of the vaccine. Um, I here in Arizona, we have like a couple big vaccination spots. Um, I know that my, my lovely roommate and friend of the pod, Richie Flores got his at GCU, uh, Grand Canyon university, um, which uh, is one of the kind of smaller vaccination sites. Uh, I got mine at state farm stadium, um, the cart where the Cardinals play. And it's, like, this mass drive-through vaccination site. And it kind of feels like the apocalypse because you're driving through in your car with your mask on and you have to go through this, like, snaking line like you're waiting to get into, like, the fucking Houston Rodeo. And uh, (laughs) when and you have to, like, pass through all the checkpoints where they write your appointment number on your windshield and marker. And then they ask you a bunch of questions like, Are you sick? Uh, Have you had any experimental treatment for COVID-19? When's the last vaccine you had? Uh, Are you currently taking any treatment for COVID-19? All this stuff. Are you on a blood center? And then they ask you the questions again, just like make sure you're not lying. Um, And they check off each time you like get cleared. Uh, And then you get up to the front and you drive into this tent that's kind of like, if any of our listeners have ever had to drive, from texas to new mexico or from like actually just across texas in general or from california to arizona or vice versa the the temporary immigration checkpoints they set up along u.s highways (laughs) where it's like these giant tents that go over the road and that's kind of what you had to drive through uh and then you had to turn your engine off so you didn't like accidentally gives the nurses carbon monoxide poisoning oh my god i
0: didn't even th- i forgot like, about yeah. that yeah it's so drive dangerous up and they're like
1: okay they would lean in the window and they're like go ahead and turn off your car uh put it in park turn it turn it off um make sure it's in park and then they would ask you which arm you wanted and uh you basically like if you were wearing a jacket like you had to roll down your sleeve and then stick your arm like on the on your windowsill there and you would get your vaccine. And while they were administering it, somebody would write the time you got it on the windshield in a different marker and you drive forward. And uh, if it was your first appointment, like they'd schedule you for your second one while you were waiting in the line to leave. Uh, And if it was your second one, they just talked to you about how not to lose your your vaccination card. And then when you got to the very front of the line, they would refer to the time on your windshield. And if you saw a little bit of time left before 15 minutes was up, they'd hold you there, talk to you a little bit, make sure you were okay. And when the 15 was up, they'd let you go. And because it's all outside um, and because it's huge, there are like 12 lanes um, of cars doing this. Uh, it's getting too hot in Arizona to do that. And so yeah. they switched it the week that I got my second one to being overnight. So all the appointments start at 9 p.m. and end at 5 a.m. So nobody can get it during the day. Um, and Ooh, so I, That's rough. Was, yeah, mine was scheduled for like 1130 at night. And I'd worked a full day before that. I was nervous that I was going to get like super tired waiting in line because I didn't want to like be sitting there waiting in the line and have trouble staying awake and then have to like drive myself back home. And so I took a nap, woke up at like 10 PM, had Richie bring me home uh, a Thai milk tea to bring in the car with me, and then went to get it, got home a little after midnight. And going through that line in the dark was like the most post apocalyptic desert shit ever. Cause you're going through a line in the pitch darkness with all these, like, all these floodlights set up to make sure that you don't run into the other cars and still have to have your mask on. And it it felt super surreal. And then like, I couldn't fall asleep when I got home because I'd already taken this massive nap. And then I woke up the next day and couldn't lift my arm above like about half a foot away from my body. Um, Right. Other than that, I felt fairly okay so it was just the fatigue like localized fatigue I know it hit you a little harder right
0: uh yeah so my experience (laughs) was a little different uh the like New York City uh and Long Island you just I mean there's a ton of different places you can go uh I got my I got both my shots up in the Bronx and uh when I got my second shot I was also going to a friend's birthday get together on a rooftop in Brooklyn and so I was just rushing around the whole day, and I got the shot. I felt fine after I got the shot, and I went to my friend's party, and we hung out, like, a handful of us, and it was really nice. And I was just it, – it, it, like you described it, it was very – for you, Uh, that sounds very post-apocalyptic, but I'm sure you felt relief, like I did too, after you got that second shot. Um, It's just – it's like, okay, I, it felt nice. And then at this party, I just – I proceeded to drink 12 beers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so throughout literally, the course at the first one the nurse looked in my car window saw a can of diet coke that I'd left there from work the day before and she said so no soda for a couple days like drink water she said stay hydrated because oh, that makes we, it easier she no. literally she, she looked at my soda and I was like it's empty I was like you can yeah. throw it away I just didn't take it out of my car because I'm a slob I promise I don't drink soda most of the time, and she gave me a look like, "Yeah, I don't really believe you." And she was like, "Yeah, you have to like drink water, hydrate really well." And you went and like,
0: I did the opposite. Had your had your
1: like, what was it? Uh, but Generation X, the that Celebration X, whatever the. Like mega party movie. Oh no! Yeah. Like oh, had, uh, no. Project,
0: had, X, Project, Project
1: X. Project X. Project X. That's it. Yeah. No. I it was. It generous. was a very.
0: It was a very small <laughs> get together, but I just pounded twelve beers because it was just, you know, it's nice being with your friends and, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna feel crappy tomorrow anyway. Might as well feel hungover. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I we we got Kate and I got back to my apartment and not that late. It was around midnight. And then like at four a.m., I woke up and she's like, "You're burning." And I had like the chills. I had a massive fever. And then I had this like really bad headache, which was like a hangover headache. But then on top of that, it was like um like oh this you know you get flu like symptoms or. Uh, after getting the shot a lot of people and so just i was knocked out the rest of the day um but uh like body aches chills fever but it it i you know just rested that it was a sunday the next day so i just rested and um yeah i i, I was fine on monday basically i just so it was really nice it's it's been a relief um you know i obviously still wear my mask when I go places but it, like I'm, it's fun starting to do things I haven't gotten to do over the past you know year like I'm playing ice hockey again uh, I'm you know I'm going to a Yankee game on uh, this weekend so it's just nice to starting to get it back to some normalcy and um, so yeah if you can get vaccinated go get vaccinated I did it I'm petrified of needles it doesn't it really doesn't hurt your arm will be a little sore and you may feel crummy uh, the next day but
1: if you drink water if you drink like water
0: like a normal human being and not a degenerate <laughs> you will be fine so um, that's yeah, it's
1: it was it rough but
0: it's perfect. it's good it's good it, it's a good thing that we're we're getting these all rolled out now and who knows i, I get the uh, just a quick sidebar the buffalo bills football team just announced in the fall that they're if you want to get into their Stadium. They're gonna. They're planning on going full capacity, but you have to vi- have been vaccinated. And I think that's really interesting. I think maybe yeah. we'll see. I, I wonder if we'll see NHL and NBA teams this summer when those playoffs are full in effect, and you want to get more fans past that 25% capacity. They'll say, hey, we're gonna increase capacity, but you got to show us that you're vaccinated. Like maybe they won't go full 100% because not everyone. And the country will be vaccinated, but it, maybe they'll and go it's to. It's
1: indoors too. It's
0: indoors, whereas football is big. It's out. To, but it, if I, I can see them increasing capacity, but if they'll increase capacity only for people that are vaccinated, and
1: that's I'm, interesting because I, yeah. uh, I, I'm kind of torn on that actually. I mean, I'm, I'm very pro, pro vaccination here. I mean, my dad works in genetic sequencing and biotech, and so I got like the lengthy explanation from him on the mRNA vaccines and I felt super confident super safe and yeah I think they're I mean they're they're a net gain and it's it's really cool to see what they're going to be able to do with those for HIV and AIDS and cancer right not necessarily cancer's not it doesn't uh, work quite the same way but that's they're they're doing research with like what they right. did with the mRNA vaccine
0: Yes, yes. For cancer, okay.
1: which is awesome. And I mean yes. it's it's a good thing, but at the same time I know that there are people who cannot get vaccinated. And I know that there's some people who say, Oh, I can't get vaccinated. I when I get my flu shot, I have kind of a weird reaction. Like I get really sick for a day. Um, so I I'm not a candidate to get the vaccine. And I'm like, You're you're nervous to get the vaccine and that's okay i'm not gonna mock you for it no i don't say you're not a candidate but there are people who are legitimately physically right
0: right because they're there it it, it, they could have severe allergic reaction and i you know
1: and some people their their immune systems work differently and so some people's immune systems uh don't recognize when to stop on certain things those people that are immunocompromised can't get vaccinated and that's I I don't know how I feel about
0: Right so it's do they not get to go to you know if they want to do go They not see get it. to
1: go to sporting events or concerts or anything concert, so long, but... I get it
0: I I hear what you're saying I, I just I thought that was an interesting policy that the uh bills are enacting but
1: I wonder if they'll give a medical exemption there like yeah, I wonder they if they'll have, give they a have
0: to. They'll give a medical exemption and I I'm sure I, I'm sure I don't know. I I'm guessing masks will still be mandatory even though people are vaccinated within the stadium, but uh I think I think they'll give they'll give an exemption if you're not medically eligible cuz uh they'll say, "Okay, you can still come to the game, but you're going to have to provide a negative COVID test day of or something like that."
1: Right. I mean, that's
0: that's kind of what they're doing now, but yeah. I, once they they're going to want to increase capacity to make it all comes down to money at the end of the day and
1: it's it's fair I mean I know I've I've talked about it with a few people it's it's hard uh I mean some people have, have chosen to ignore things and that's you know that's not your choice it's it's affecting other people but that's that's another conversation entirely but uh I know that a lot of people have had to make substantial sacrifices and, and it's understandable. And I'm not necessarily complaining about, you know, saying it's not necessary, but like, for example, I, I go to work and I work at a small business. So I work with at most, I think there are 12 of us there and I know I'm annoying all of them, uh, because I'm annoying myself uh, and they're the only adults other than my poor sweet roommate that I see. And right. I haven't gotten to see my parents and I haven't gotten to go. I've gotten to go to a restaurant twice. Uh, Once with my daughter, when we went to meet a friend who was going to be a temporary sitter for her while I was at work, Um, we went and got lunch with her at a limited capacity restaurant Um, just so they could hang out together one time before she started watching her. And then, one time by myself where I sat in a booth by myself. Um right. and haven't gotten to go obviously to concerts or I know some people have gone bowling and throwing and all that, but I've tried not to. And so I've I don't like what I've been over the last couple months. I feel like I've gotten meaner and snippier and I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's feeling that way. Uh and so being able to like I'm you get to go to a like you're going to a Yankees game. I'm going to a wedding in June. Yeah. Uh, one of my oldest friends, I've I've actually known the I've known the groom since he was one. Right. I've known the bride since we were in first grade. And so getting to see them and then one of my other childhood best friends who I'm gonna be her maid of honor next year. And then a couple other high school friends and a couple other like family friends getting to see all those people who are not the same, basically 11 people that I've seen every day of my uh, life yeah, for the last gonna, year and change is going to be like, knowing that that's there feels so good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's it, grading. It feels yeah. really good to know that. And to know that, cause I'm not necessarily, I haven't necessarily been avoiding people cause I'm nervous about, Getting very ill, but because I I work with a lot of elderly at my face-to-face job, and knowing that I can go do that stuff safely without putting someone else in harm's way, uh, yeah. like having that guilt lifted, feels good. Like that yeah, feels that's, really it's, good.
0: It's a nice feeling that we're gonna. Be, I mean, I, I think this, the rest of this spring and this summer, will be really nice with the more things we're going to be able to do and just seeing people we haven't been able to see in a really long time and doing some activities we haven't been able to do. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, and you know, the NHL will be in full swing for playoffs. Wow. What a segue by me. Um,
1: I love that. <laughs> I love this for us. Speaking
0: as a, of playoffs. Like we, would say. Uh, so, yes, yeah, speaking of playoffs, we are heading into the stretch run of the regular season, and this past Monday was the NHL trade deadline. Um, there were a lot of moves. I think, surprisingly, I think people thought it would be kind of a quieter deadline, maybe with um, some some trades, but there was a flurry of moves uh, a couple days before it, and then on the deadline there were some moves. A lot of depth moves, but there there were some bigger trades um cat i guess we're gonna dive into this uh, yeah uh, Trades we like trades we didn't like uh there's a lot of takes out there up for not, grabs
1: <laughs> and not just trades we like versus didn't like but trades that we legitimately liked like as in thought were a net benefit for the team involved versus trades that we enjoyed from like sure. a vindictive standpoint, because there are some trades that I certainly enjoyed. Like I saw it and I was like, yes, I love this. And not because I think it made the team better, but because I enjoyed watching some people be confused okay. by what, what their team did, because I've we, been that person who's confused. Can we
0: start with that? <laughs> what what trade made you feel like that?
1: Um, The Capitals. I was
0: going to bring Capitals that up. Capitals getting
1: rid of Jacob Brana. What okay. the fuck was that all about?
0: All right. So... Um yes, I think a lot of people were confused by that trade. So you said net gain. I think that is a terrific like great pickup for Detroit here. So the oh, trade wonderful was
1: wonderful for Detroit. Wonderful. Trade, for
0: Detroit. The trade was Anthony Mantha um t- was traded to the Washington Capitals. Going back to Detroit uh was Jacob Brana, Richard Panic, a 2021 first and a 2022 second round pick. Okay, Jacob what Rana. Do you won, think? That is, it is a wild trade. Jacob Rana won a Stanley Cup with the Capitals. He, his, he
1: didn't just win a Stanley Cup with the Capitals, right?
0: He was a big part. He
1: was so he, delighted to win a Stanley Cup with the yes. Capitals that he went and cried all over a random girl at a tattoo parlor <laughs> to get a tattoo with his friends. He was, it.
0: he was. Um, I know he was really. It, it, I know it seems like a lot of Capitals players are really bummed that they, that uh, he got traded. Uh, he is just from a pure hockey standpoint, Rana has a great shot. Um, and, you know, he's a really good offensive player. He wasn't getting a ton of ice time for whatever reason with Lavliet and Washington, but he has similar, very similar offensive numbers to Mantha. Uh,
1: Almost but I guess, a little better. His who? numbers are a little better than, his numbers are a little better than Mantha's. Right
0: but the I guess the thought is mantha is you could i guess you could go either way on the offensive production, but the thought is that mantha is better um is better in his def his own defensive zone or whatever so he's he's a little better of a two way player but I guess Rana is in an r f a mantha is signed for i think at least two or three more years. I think this trade could have been done but like I get it. I guess if you want to get rid of Vrana for Mantha, but I think you could have made that trade Vrana and Panic, and that was it. I, why, why adding a Incredible first? one in... and <laughs> a first and second <laughs> round like,
1: pick? Uh, last night I was uh, I was talking with a friend of the pod, Richie Flores. We were talking about uh, baseball. We were talking about most notably Madison Baumgartner, who's when the Arizona Diamondbacks signed him for like twenty mil per deal. Yeah. I made fun of it because it was terrible. And I said, he's he's awful, he's old. Yeah,
0: he's and over. Sure the enough,
1: health. he's old and he's hurt. And I believe right now when like Richie mm. was reading out his stats to me, and I don't think I've seen stats this bad in a very long time. Uh, right. currently he has an ERA of eleven point two
0: yeah, that's not very. And
1: that's not very good at all. Um, he's he's played in three games and he has an 11.2 ERA. Yeah,
0: I can't see that. It, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Um,
1: it's it's so bad, and we were we were talking about that, and I, he was like, "Why? Well, he was like, I don't even know what they do with that. Like, what do they do with that contract? Because it's awful. And I said, "Well, they can always unload a top prospect." with it to dump it get rid of their farm start from scratch overpay for another over the hill veteran trade that one away with their farm start from scratch rinse and repeat because that's what the diamondbacks do and we looked back at the dansby swanson trade and the dansby swanson trade um was probably one of the funniest trades ever because that was right when I first moved to Arizona and I was on my way. I think Richie and I were headed to like a concert and uh, he was just like melting down in the car and it was because the Diamondbacks traded Dansby Swanson, who had been their top draft pick. He's
0: number one overall.
1: Before. Yeah. Less than six months before this trade. Yeah. Uh, They traded him, Ender Inciarte, and Aaron Blair for Shelby Miller.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And so everyone was like, that trade could have happened with Aaron Blair and Ender Inciarte. Like, they didn't also need to add Danny Swanson. Like, they panicked and, like, decided to throw another piece on top that didn't need to be there and that's kind of what I feel like uh like what Brian McCullen did there I feel like he he said Anthony Manta yeah um can we have him for I'll give you I'll give you Jacob Vrana. um I'll, I'll toss in Richard Ponick too uh I'll I'll also give you our first round pick uh, do you want a second round pick too yeah, yeah is there anything else you I, need no okay my I don't get it <laughs> I
0: don't under I mean I guess the thought process is okay. Uh, we're gonna take on Manta's salary. We're gonna give Ivorna for him, and then we want to unload Panic, who was like having he was in and out of that cap's lineup, but he's a he's a fine bottom six player. Uh, is he
1: still a fine bottom six player though? Yeah, he's
0: still decent. He's still he could still contribute. Like he, he's not gonna kill his salary and the way he plays isn't gonna break like break your back and he like. I, think he's I was winning.
1: excited when he was a part of the trade because I that was my realization that he was still playing in the NHL. Yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of
0: – he wasn't really cracking the lineup. So I I understand it's like, okay, we'll do that. We want to unload Panic's contract, so we'll give you a second-round pick on top of that. But, like, I don't know. adding the first was just like – but to be fair, it's not going to be like a Dansby Swanson where his first overall pick, it's going to probably end up being in the 20s um and i guess it's scouting has been really difficult this year like yeah for, it's
1: been it's been super tricky this so year so
0: this i think teams are more okay with giving away their first round pick as we saw because it, it, it the draft is going to be such a crapshoot
1: it's there, i know that there yeah. are a couple players who like uh looking at um just looking at I was doing a, a prospect report for for the Coyotes. Um, for for the hockey news. Uh, I want to say I submitted it a couple weeks ago. And John Ferranacci, uh, he's a center who plays at Harvard. Um, which means that this year he didn't play because the yeah. Ivies basically said we were we're withdrawing this year. And yeah, so
0: Cornell Cornell was another top program that I think was projected to, you know, be right at, right there at the end of the Frozen Four like that's another program in the Ivies that got fucked and I think had a lot of talent too.
1: And and those kids that's tough because especially if you're going to an Ivy League school, typically you you're you're going to go there to at the very least start your degree. A lot of those kids uh Yeah. Are there to, to take advantage of, of the, the education too, and so, um, Farinacci ended up playing at the World Juniors, um, with the U.S. He, he had five goals and seven points in seven games, so he, you know, he put up a really good showing there. I believe he was injured for a brief period, um, and then he got to play six games with the Muskegon Lumberjacks, um, of the USHL because if Obviously, if he went and played in certain leagues, uh, you lose your NCAA eligibility. If he went and played juniors
0: uh, in Canada, yeah.
1: Right, and so he kind of had to just like not not sit there with his thumb up his ass, but like that he he essentially lost an entire season, and not because of injury, but because of something that was completely out of his control. Yeah, college
0: hockey is yeah. Yeah. College hockey is going to be wild because you also have the transfer portal now. And there are so many. It's
1: been going nuts.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. It's basically more or less like an NHL trade, like colleges are being able to pick up some really good talent through the transfer portal. Because NCAA is allowing if, you know, just being like you can transfer and you won't lose a year of eligibility. So guys that maybe weren't happy with, uh, you know their playing time or whatever didn't like the coach wanted a better opportunity there are a ton of there are a ton of uh guys right now that are ripe for the picking it seems like for a lot of uh you know colleges so it's inter- it's entertaining but yeah it, it, scouting is it's hard The, the yeah like you mentioned you got some kids that haven't even played uh for a year and that's not their fault they're you know their program didn't decide to play and that's, I understand that, but it, it sucks. It's a really rough position. So, but I, yeah, I think that's why you're seeing that teams are more willingly to give around, to give up first round picks, except another really good seg- segue. When it came to Taylor Hall, the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres could not net a first round pick. Uh And probably that was probably the Anthony Mantha, Jacob Rana trade was, I guess like the most hockey trade, quote unquote hockey trade of the day. Cause you had two good roster players going in each direction. Obviously Detroit got more, but the Taylor hall trade, um, yeah. that saga is something else. And I know we touched on Taylor hall a little bit for a little bit, uh, last episode, there were plenty of teams that were kind of, you know, kind of circling on them, uh, the Capitals, the Islanders, uh, the Oilers were rumored. Toronto is rumored. There's a lot of teams rumored, but he ends up getting snagged by the Boston Bruins the night before, late the night before the actual deadline this past Sunday night, and he goes for, I believe, uh, he goes for the trade was Buffalo sent Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork in and a second round pick. Uh, I'm canceling Anders. Bjork and Curtis Lazar, that's a wash. They're both just bottom six players.
1: Yeah, I guess that is a wash. It's,
0: um, Bjork probably has a little more hard. tough time. He had a tough time cracking the Bruins lineup. Lazar, he's, he could be a solid fourth-line player. So the trade was basically a second-round pick for Taylor Hall, a former MVP. Kat, you were someone that watched quite a bit of Taylor Hall uh, last year because he got traded to the Devils. And then again, uh, not the Devils, excuse me, the Coyotes from the Devils. Uh, and then he played in the bubble. Uh, it, the feeling was that Buffalo got fleeced here.
1: I mean, I would I would say yes, but I'm also, and I know we talked about it during the last uh, during the last episode. I think uh, part of it is, I mean, they, the fact that it was a 2021 pick, which when we look at that that Anthony Mantha trade. The first round pick for this year, yeah, that's hard um, because we don't know what's what, what's happening with half the kids right now. Um, but then the Capitals also threw in that 2022 second round pick where we're going to have a pretty good idea. And we're going to have kids that are being I would I would I'm going to predict that the 2022 draft is going to be a fucking monster of a draft because sure. we're going to have kids who get re-entered who didn't get to play this year who maybe got overlooked because their teams didn't get to like I know the OHL things have been a shit show the WHL things have been a shit show the QMJHL they've had to play kind of like in the NHL this year where they've had to play the same teams and one of the teams was living at the arena for a while they had like they set up bedrooms in the concourse for all the kids because there was an outbreak in the part of Quebec that they were in, um, or maybe they were in the Maritimes. And and so I think next year, the draft is going to have a lot of kids who probably could have been good prospects this year if they had, you know, all else being equal. And then next year when they actually have a chance to play, it's going to be fantastic. This is going to be an overwhelming wealth. And so that 2022 second round pick could potentially be the equivalent of a 2021 first round pick. And not only did the Sabers only get one pick, and they only got a second round pick, but it's Pretty. it's a 2021. So it's yeah. it's a massive question mark. Uh, and it's it's weird because I think that that really highlights what we were talking about in the last game. We're in in the last episode, sorry, with Taylor Hall, where I think he, I mean, he very clearly has the talent and watching him play some of the games, you could tell that he, he can orchestrate an entire game's worth of plays for his team. He can make it happen, but it's almost like he's playing at a level just above a lot of his teammates a lot of the time, and... At some point with the Coyotes, he looked a little frustrated. He he didn't stop playing. Like I always, when people say, "Oh, he stopped trying," I always picture that, uh, a gif of Alex Ovechkin where he was back-checking really passively and he's, yeah, like, he's gl- gliding. The in, yeah, the yeah, gliding.
0: gliding and, uh, into the defensive zone.
1: And. That's kind of what I picture when people say, oh, they stopped trying. And that wasn't Taylor Hall, but he looked a little frustrated at at a certain point. And that's kind of what he looked like this year, too, which is fair, because I have no idea what's going on in Buffalo. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I think maybe he could end up being a really good fit in Boston because they have not just some of the talent, but some of the high thinking talent and some of the like the footwork speed. So they have guys like. Uh, David Pasternak, who I'm not entirely sure what his hockey IQ is because I'm not sure what his IQ is in general, Um, but (laughs) very fast, very good hands, very good at finding open spaces um, and not afraid to use them. He doesn't get gun-shy. And then Brad Marchand and uh, Patrice Bergeron are two of the highest IQ players on the Bruins. I mean, they... There's a reason they wrote until they got past their neck, they rotated Sir Wingers who they made look better. And yeah. I mean, you could put them with anyone and I think they'd they'd make it work. Uh it would be kind of tricky because both Brad Marchand and Taylor Hall are left wing. But so, in theory yeah. they could make it work. Um and so especially on a power play. That's kind of scary to think about Taylor Holland and Brad Marchand on the power play together, because uh, those are guys that think quickly and get in open spaces. And if they are working well together, I think could read each other very well. But we haven't gotten to see that because during international play, to the best of my recollection, uh, when Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron have been able to play in international competitions, so like during the World Cup of Hockey and I think a couple world championships, uh, they've played with Sidney Crosby. Right. And so they, they actually haven't gotten to play with even Ryan Nugent Hopkins or, uh, or Taylor Hall, like one of those other Canadian stars who's in that same general age range. Um, and so I think, I think Taylor Hall could work there, but he's looked so frustrated for stretches over the last handful of years that it's like we've, and I don't want to assert that he's lost his love for playing hockey because that's a big assertion. But it's Um, it's kind of like we've watched him cease to enjoy some of the games sometimes. And I don't know how well he's, like, I I don't know what he still has. I know he still has the raw talent. I know he still has the physical ability. I just, there are moments where I watch him and I'm like, I, I've I've seen you have more fun with this. You're not having fun. What are you doing? And so, I don't know it's kind of a gamble for the Bruins, and good on them for not it for for managing not to pay the asking price on a gamble. I mean, they they basically took a gamble on sale, which which is smart on their part. Um, and for for the Sabers, that I I don't know, it it gets them one step closer to. Being the worst team of our generation. Um, yeah. Yeah. I
0: don't,
1: I don't even know. I feel really bad. I'm looking at their roster right now. Um, Carter Hutton has his record is one ten and one. That's so bad. And just to put in perspective how bad they are. So Jonas Johansson, the goaltender that they traded, which uh, that's another move that we can. Get and uh, after this, uh, the, the Colorado Avalanche picked up Jonas Johansson from the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, when he was drafted by the Sabres in 2014, he was drafted 61st overall. I thought he was a pretty agile looking goal. Like I thought he had really good movement, really good skating ability for a kid who was he's six foot five and 220 pounds. So he's a big boy. Um, but with Buffalo, I I watched his scouting report and I was going through just film after film on him and it looked like he was like hitting his movements and he was crisp and he was correct and he would be off angle like he'd be set perfectly and then the puck would whiz past him like half a foot away and I was like are you not watching is there something in the <laughs> air in Buffalo like what's happening and sure enough he got traded to Colorado and he is three zero and one. The game that he lost in overtime was to the Coyotes and he allowed goals on, I think it was like his first two shots in the first two minutes and then kind of settled in and ended up losing. But since then he's won three games and has a 929 save percentage with Buffalo. He had an eight, eight, four. Yeah. Like, I think I don't know what's, I don't know what's happening there. I Why think are they... it's,
0: it's a combination of things.
1: Uh... I mean, they're at the Avalanche are an easier team. They're not so much easier that you go from an eight-eight-four. Yeah, numbers like um, that's yeah some, something in Buffalo is is very wrong. But that's a and great I, de- That's a
0: great defense he's playing behind though in Colorado.
1: It's it's not working for everyone though because so he was picked up as a temporary form of relief because uh. Obviously, the Avalanche came into the season with Philip Grubauer as their starter, and then as a tandem they brought in uh, Pavel Fran- Francus, uh Two years ago, he spent a year in the AHL, killed it, came up to the NHL, killed it in a tandem with Grubauer, and then got hurt, and nobody knows what's wrong. Yeah, but he hasn't been here all year. Like he didn't make it to training camp. Um, He's on long-term injured reserve. There's no definitive expectation as to when he'll be back. Um so Philip Grubauer was playing all of the games and Hunter Miska was their number 3 in the depth chart and they had him up for 5 games, which is how many Johansson has played. Um in 5 games for Jonas Johansson, he has allowed 8 goals, a uh, 1.87 goals against average. Uh in five games, Hunter Misca allowed 18 goals for a 4.16 goals against average and an 838 save percentage.
0: Okay, I get what you're saying.
1: So it's like, like yeah. I'm saying, it's an easier defense than Buffalo, but it's not like it's not, not like they're perfect.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, and they they is
1: just very wrong in Buffalo.
0: Yeah, and the Avalanche did trade for Devin Dubenick for from San Jose to be Grubauer's backup through the stretch run here. Um Awesome. That's that's yeah. a
1: deal that I love. How do you feel about that one?
0: Um, you know, I, I, that, I, that just, it's like, okay, that's, you get a, he had a rough time in um San Jose, but like, and it, I don't think they spent much on him. So yeah, it's fine. That's, it works. Uh, You're, I think you're gonna, you're pretty much banking on Grubauer being healthy for the playoffs though. So. Like that's, if you're going to go far um, and maybe Dubinik can give some relief down the stretch run here, um, but you're still, you know, you're still battling with uh, who is in their division uh, with.
1: Mark andre Fleury and Robin Lehner. Yeah. Like that's, that's the Golden
0: Knights. You're still you're, still, you're still, you're, you're in first, but you know, the Golden Knights are nipping at your heels and it seems like we're in a crash course for those two teams to meet up in the second round of that division uh, that divisional playoffs and uh I have to lean going towards Vegas as the advantage just because you have two really great goalies with Marc Andre Fleury and Robert Leonard. And listen, Ooh, but hey,
1: I, I like spicy.
0: Why? They're they're much better goalies than Grubauer and Devin Dubenick. I don't think that's like that hot of a take.
1: So I think they have better goalies, but I think that Colorado has a better roster. And I, I like the Vegas roster. Like, I, I like Mark Stone. I think Max Pacioretty's good. But I Mark, think Mark Stone, Stone 44 points in 40 games. Mark Stone uh, is the
0: best two-way player in the NHL, I think. He is so good. I, I would take Mark Stone over a lot of players. But I... Let me look at Colorado's roster.
1: Colorado has Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen.
0: Yes, I... Like (laughs) they're they're very good too. I think
1: (laughs) Colorado has three players who are over a point per game. They have one who has 52 points in 38 games played. Their their offense is terrifying. Like Mikaelint, sometimes the the Coyotes have played them like eight thousand times this year, and it's it's giving us all PTSD. But they had there have been a few games where because they do they have a fairly strong defense. They have like Sam Girard, they have Kale McCarr, who is unbelievable. Um yeah. Devontay's uh but then there were a couple games where the Coyotes were actually like holding their own and they they've managed to win a few this year against Colorado, which I was not expecting. Um I thought they were gonna get swept. Um and there was one in particular where every time the Coyotes would manage to really... It was the game where Jonas Johansson was in net. I mean, they they, they went up something like 3-0 in the first five minutes. Their defense was actually firing on full cylinders. I think Auntie Ranta was in net for them. And Miko Rantanen would just like decide it was time to score a goal and score a goal. He has... 25 goals in 42 games. Like he's just and it. He doesn't make it look hard either. I think he's, he's one of the most underrated players in the NHL. Cause he's big too. Like they're, they're top three, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen, and, and Landis They're all over 200 pounds. They, that's a big boy roster. Yeah. And,
0: but it's not like golden Knights are like an undersized. They're, they're, you know, they're not they got an some-
1: undersized team. But, they got
0: they got some big boys on the back end too,
1: but that's the back end. That's I I expect that from a team's depth. Like, cause the Avalanche have it there too. They have guys like Pierre edward belmar Um, they have J.T. Comper. Uh, when he's healthy, they have Eric Johnson, who is a pretty big boom. Um, but then the fact that they're three most dangerous goal scorers and playmakers. Are all also pretty reasonably sized. And Nathan McKinnon plays and I think it happened after we recorded last, so we didn't get to talk about it. But like when he threw Connor Garland's helmet and hit him in the face.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. He
1: he plays a little angry. Like if you make Nathan McKinnon mad. He's scary and he's gotten himself in trouble for it before. And so that's that's kind of what you get from a guy like Ryan Reeves, too. But you also get fifty-two points in 38 games from Nathan McKinnon. And and then you have a guy like they also have Andre Burakovsky, another one that the uh, that the Capitals kinda let go. Yeah. yeah. And they have they have Eunice Donskoy, who used to be with the Sharks. He has fifteen goals this year. They have a they have Nazim Kadri. I think no, great I don't up. think he gets nearly enough. I don't think he no, gets a great enough for them. being a good two-way guy. They, they have they, Brandon Saad too. They
0: just brought a uh, tying it into the trade deadline. They just brought Carl Soderberg back, who isn't the same I player. He is not the same player that he was, but he's a he's a perfectly fine depth piece to add to your you know third line. Like, and he's
1: a really good two-way player too. Like, yeah, he's a yeah. very good defensively responsible well, player. It, I thoroughly enjoyed him.
0: You put it this way though, the the uh, then Vegas and Colorado have played six times this year. You know how many games Colorado has won? Has they
1: won yet?
0: Yes, they both have won three games against each other. So it's been a coin flip. So, I, like, I don't... I, I think it could go... I think it really could go either way. Once it's, like, i I'm book- I think
1: that's fair. I think, I think, I think it could I'm definitely booking, go either way.
0: I'm booking this... This series if they do end up playing against you never know maybe there's an upset somewhere and they don't end up playing each other. <laughs> uh but i i could see it going seven and i just i tend to lean on goaltending in the playoffs is my only that's that's just my personal thing i always tend to if you if you have a great goalie a good goalie and mark-andre fleury has been on another level this year um so i don't know i'm but,
1: nervous about his workload though
0: that's true. Like, I
1: think Marc-Andre Fleury has been really good, but he's also, I mean, he's one of the oldest goalies in yep. the NHL right now. Yep. And that's when we reach the playoffs, I get, I get a little nervous about that. If, um, but
0: if you have Leonard, who's good to go, I mean, he's had some concussion problems this year, which is very unfortunate. Um, cause he's someone I, from his time with the Islanders, I really enjoyed. And he's just, I really enjoyed his story. and um, but he has had some concussion problems this year. But if he's, if he's healthy and good to go, I mean, maybe he's a guy you can throw in a game three or four in the middle of a series to if you want to, or a guy you can ride a little bit down here the last 15 games. But I understand what you're saying. The Avalanche have a fucking stacked roster. Uh, and Their
1: roster, it, it scares me so much.
0: Yeah. And- it's, they're, I think they're favorites to win the Cup right now.
1: I can see that. I can 100% see I think that.
0: I think even Vegas has them as favorites. So, um.
1: so speaking of favorites to win the cup, uh, my my elite segue for us here, um, uh, a team that is convinced that they're going to win the cup is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yes. Nick Foligno to the Leafs. Uh, I, I mean, no disrespect to Nick Foligno because he seems like a really, really nice guy. Good leader. I absolutely don't care about that trade.
0: Um, yeah, it, it got a lot of um, it got a lot of steam. A because it's just Toronto and anything they do is gonna, uh, you know,
1: make you're people gonna, excited. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people excited get people mad. Um, I've never had a, an opinion on Toronto or the Toronto Maple Leafs in my entire life. Never. Um, never. You um, never. Um, that's the thing. It's it's where. I think a lot of people, and I, I'm going to tie this back to just Taylor, the Taylor Hall thing, real quick, because he went for, I think like a first, right? Felino? Uh,
1: he he went for a, a really flippy trade. So he got it's, traded to the Sharks for a first round pick and a fourth round pick, and then he got right. traded from San Jose to the right. Leafs for a fourth round pick. S- so
0: San Jose hung on hung on to that fourth round pick to eat some of that salary. Yeah. So, it, it, it's it's what they were looking for, but at that price, I think it's a little steep. Um, I oh. I think, a, a lot. Um, and I know we're roasting Buffalo, but I think we forget that Taylor Hall had a no trade clause, and I think he really wanted to go go to Boston, and so that's why it, it's just like when you're when you know a player is only gonna like, say yes to one team. You're kind of you're you're kind of like you, you can't you can't raise this pr- you know what I mean? You can't really do a bit make a bidding war. So, but f- I guess, I guess Toronto knew what they wanted. They said, hey, we're we're willing to give up a, f- a first and a fourth for this guy. Who, um, I, I guess he brings a lot of the quote unquote intangibles. I don't know. It's it's I find it, it it's fine. It's almost like
1: too many cook situation to me though for Toronto because it's people first off I don't know why anybody's super excited I don't know why anybody would have a strong feeling about that trade yeah but
0: I, it's it, it's whatever it's to a me
1: weird one because to me it's uh, it kind of reminds me of when Toronto had a lot of good players on paper and then just couldn't get it done
0: well I mean that's been... when
1: I say when that happened I mean Always. Um, it's the past five years. Yeah, it's a it's a weirdly constructed and maybe maybe Kyle Dubas kinda looked at the way that Nick Felino's personality would fit in with the rest of the team and he does seem like he's like a good culture fit. Which but is isn't, nice. that, isn't that what you but, brought in
0: Joe Thornton for and Wayne Simmons?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. They they brought in Wayne Simmons. They brought in Joe Thornton, who's a former captain. They brought in John Taveras, who's a former captain. They've brought in Nick Felino, who's the captain of his team. I mean, they've brought in so many guys who are captains. Yeah. In other teams. And at some point, it feels kind of like... Because to me, and, and obviously I'm not an NHL GM, uh, I know that's hard to believe, but I would want my heir apparent to the captaincy to then have one either current captain who's like like a guy like a not anathem cadre per se but someone who'd been with a team for a while like like Morgan Riley honestly um someone like that uh and then maybe you bring in a Joe Thornton and you have somebody who was a captain for another team but is now not at the point where they're looking to continue asserting themselves in the locker room. They're looking to give advice and they're looking to be at a a respected veteran point in their career. And instead they have like this plethora of, and I shouldn't criticize having a plethora of leadership, but it seems like there's a lot of voices and, and who do they, who do they want to be their next captain in theory? Do they want it to stage it on Tavares until he retires? Do they want yeah, it to be more yeah, than think They want it I to,
0: think, I mean, you still have Austin yeah. Matthews, Matthews, like, they still have Austin Matthews there, um, just in regards to the captaincy with Tavares, I, I mean, he's there, it seems I, I blocked that contract out of my mind, but, um, uh. <laughs> I, he's there for a very long time, so when they gave him the C I think that's it's he's gonna be the C for his entire career there. So happy trails. But um and mm-hmm. then I think <laughs> I think you, you Which, still have if you he know is,
1: then that's that's what, that's a an eight year contract?
0: Something like and,
1: that. And then when it finishes, uh at that point Austin Matthews is how old? I mean he's twenty two right he's twenty three right now. So, well, full, full, so what's his
0: Felino's only there. Was his name Feligno? Foligno? Felino? I can never pronounce Polina. it. Fol- Foligno. Polino. He's only there for. He's only going to be there for two months. I mean, or three, or however long their run is, right? So
1: right. He's
0: he'll be gone. I think Thornton's only on a one-year deal. Simmons. I don't think th- it's.
1: I don't think it's that those guys would take over in no, terms no. of like getting in front of them, but in terms of giving Matthews. Like, when you when you look at a locker room, you kind of not... You don't necessarily want a chain of command, but you want a clear... Like, you want your leader, and then you want your... I, I, I don't know. I find it... Cause I think you want everyone I to be... I feel like has their, their own way of leading a team, right? You want, you, brought in,
0: you want everyone pulling together, I think, is... Yeah.
1: You've got um, in guys who... Have their own unique and established leadership styles, and I don't think it's I don't think that like that's not to say that I think Nick Foligno is going to come in and tank it with this toxic infusion of confusing captaincy culture. But given that (laughs) that that was first round, like that that cost them a first round pick. Could they not have gotten? He has sixteen points this year. He has seven goals, which uh, Richie and I were talking earlier tonight about he has one fewer goal than the player we're going to talk about in five minutes, which is Michael Bunting. Um, and in 42 games, like it's not like they brought in some, it's not like they paid a first round premium for some much needed scoring addition or some top, well, top do defensive you think, player.
0: Do you think they needed score? Like you mentioned, no, I don't
1: think they did, but I don't think they needed to pay a first round pick for leadership either. So, if you want to bring in a depth player, I just think they could have gotten what they get from Felino. From someone. Cheaper else. than a first round pick.
0: Sure. So from maybe from another player. I mean I, I guess the thinking is he's just he's a depth piece. yeah speak much. Uh, depth piece that you can um I guess slide in to the top six in a pinch. Uh, I mean the leafs are really good. They're they're very solid. and they made some other I I actually kinda like the depth moves that they've they brought in Big Save Dave from Calgary to be their backup to uh, Jack Campbell who doesn't for whatever reason seem to lose a game so it seems good like Freddie for
1: him, An- by the way good uh,
0: for him he's 11 and oh yeah uh so I, I it seems like Freddie he's... Anderson isn't isn't coming back I, I think they're rolling with Jack Campbell and David uh, Riddich as their goaltending tandem which yeah I, I don't know I I would That's I a your goal
1: that's, that's scary. Um, but they also you're... have, I mean, they have Michael Hutchinson too, who has a nine. I, I, so I think David Riddick is a. I think he's their third.
0: Really, he played my, tonight. I don't know. I think, I think they're I rolling think with
1: that. Maybe Michael Hutchinson is a. Is he hurt? Uh, because he has a nine nineteen save percentage. I think you kidding. give Riddick a chance to play a game or two. I mean, you you insert him in there, but I don't think he uh. I think Michael Hutchinson has done a a decent job as uh, the backup yeah. to Jack Campbell, which I don't think nearly enough love has been given. And I know that he's getting a ton of love for it, but
0: oh my not, god, he's getting well, not
1: enough love for for Jack Campbell for for turning turning his career around and and for having the 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 support staff to do that. I mean, we talk about we're we're talking about Toronto here. Look at the stories about Mike Babcock and just the, the toxic loop. We, we look at the antithesis of a support system for players, players who succeeded in spite of their coach. And yeah. and it's nice seeing a guy who managed to succeed because of his supporting cast. Because Jack Campbell with Dusty Amu in, uh, in California, I mean, that's someone who brought him in, was there for him, in terms like just constant positive reinforcement, not not pumping his tires unrealistically. He still said, you know, you need to fix things. We need to overhaul your game. This is gonna be a lot of work. But someone who didn't create a toxic mentality for someone who is very clearly struggling mentally. Uh, and I think it's it's safe to say that at this point because uh Imu has talked about it with myself and Ingle Magazine in the past. Jack has gone on record now and talked a little bit about it. Uh, So seeing a player who was struggling mentally and was given positive reinforcement to get back to the top, I have all the time in the world for cheering for that. And I kind of, uh, it sounds really bitter. Uh, I kind of have all the time in the world for watching David Riddick arrived here because it means that Calgary officially decided that they were they were kinda gonna be sellers here. Um means it. That, uh, I mean that means that uh my least favorite NHL head coach, Daryl Sutter, um is, is probably gonna be a little sad that he just came out of like he he left his farm paid to paid to reactivate his his fucking flip phone and came back to coach the NHL which from the look on his face he clearly loves doing so much um just to coach a losing team couldn't well, be happier about
0: that. They I mean they did get rid of Sam Bennett who also got more brought back more picks than uh, Taylor Hall which is wild they traded That's Sam Wild ben- they me. traded That's Sam absolutely. Bennett they traded Sam Bennett to uh, Florida, and which is like, okay, I guess Sam Bennett has a really good, uh, some really good playoff numbers.
1: He has a really uh, good mustache. That's about all he has.
0: Yeah, uh, he he struggled with Calgary, and then I think I actually kind of like some of the moves the Panthers made. I don't like paying that price for Sam Bennett, but uh, the Flames they beat the Leafs tonight, so they're not they're not out of it yet. Uh, they, that, they
1: beat their former goalie.
0: They beat their former goalie. Yeah, they beat Big Save Dave. So I'm trying to think what other trades there were. Um,
1: Um, you know where there was not a trade though. Oh, before we get to where there was not a trade, um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac uh, to the New York Islanders. Um.
0: Yeah, that was uh, was like the first. That was the first
1: trade. Mikey, please help me understand. Oh what is God. wrong is... with Lou Lamorello?
0: Okay, right, this is gonna why, be
1: about the... why is he allergic to leaving his old players to die? Where 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 they're playing? Like, why can't he let them finish out their careers away from him? Why does he why does he need to constantly bring them back?
0: Well, so he brought he brought in he brought in Kyle Palmieri, who also never played under. He he never played under Lamorello, Kyle Palmieri. Right,
1: uh, I think that's a great pickup for the Islanders.
0: That's a huge. That's that's they have a they he he's arguably was the he you can make the argument he was the best player available this trade deadline. Um, just from his track record, he is a very good two way player and a good top six forward with a very very good shot. And he's he's going to the Islanders are one of the best he's teams struggled in the, a
1: little bit this year.
0: Well, that he, he is struggling shoot, a little bit. This his, year. his shooting percentage has been down and he's been playing on a bad team. I think the Islanders are we're banking on like, hey, it's, you know, we'll put him in our system. It'll be fine. He's going to help on our power play. Islanders are a great five on five team. They're struggling on the power play. They're going to say, hey, he's going to we're going to throw him on the power. Uh, we'll have him on the power play. This will help. This is going to replace Andrews Lee. Different styles of play, but this is a great pickup. Uh, So it was between Kyle Palmieri and Taylor Hall. Uh, It was out there that the Islanders also had uh, were offering their first round pick for Taylor Hall. And then the Devils came back and said, hey, we'll give you Palmieri and we'll throw in Travis Zajac. Uh, Is that who you're referring to with Lamorello? Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. Tra- like, what, what's wrong with him? Help me understand.
0: Travis Zajac is still uh, a fine... Travis
1: Zajac is 6 million years old,
0: Mikey. He's he's 35, and he's an unrestricted free agent. I think it's just like, hey, last year we picked up Andy Green, slid him into our team, worked out really well, worked really well in our system. Right now, Travis Zajac is probably, I would say, the equivalent of Michael Dalcole with a better shot and probably gives you more... 15 years on him. He has 15 years. He has a better shot and he uh, contributes to the PK, and that's fine. You're going to slide him in your top nine. You're not, you know, a, it adds depth, and that doesn't hurt. I don't think adding, getting Kyle Palmieri, a top six player, and then, you know, a very. Uh, Travis Ajax, who I think can still play and could, you know, help the Islanders down the road. I, I think, especially with the way. um... The way, you know, the Capitals have kind of what they added. The Bruins added Taylor Hall. For whatever reason, the Penguins added Jeff Carter, which, like, you want to talk about. Things. Jeff Carter's older than uh than Travis Zajac, I think.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's the Penguins. They do. like They make stupid moves all the time. But this also, is a- I kind of like that move solely because uh, Jeff Carter. I, and I'm probably wrong about this and when i say i'm probably wrong i mean i'm almost certain that i'm wrong uh I, I like to think that he still holds this massive grudge against the philadelphia flyers um for basically s- splitting him and his bff up um and obviously he got traded to a from the flyers to the blue jackets um in 2011, spent less than a year there before getting moved to the Kings, where he then won two Stanley Cups. Um, I was a little surprised that he's still in the NHL because I thought he retired three years ago. Um, not unlike the rest of the Kings team. Um, they've been surprising me all year. I didn't realize that any of their players were still playing. Um, but, and so now he's playing for the rivals of the team that made him so sad
0: about yeah, but 10 it's years like, ago. I
1: think that's the, kind of fun. It's, it's funny, a, it's a but it's like
0: thing. the Flyers are so, uh, are just like, they're so cooked. They're so you cooked. Know, they're they're so- not, they're not going to, like the Penguins aren't, like if the, if the Penguins and Flyers were going to play in the first round, I'd be like, Oh, that, that'll be fun. Like, I agree. Like, Jeff I think Part- it's going
1: to be fun down the back stretch. Like, because they, they have to play each other again a few times, right? Like, I think every team still has some teams to play against. I, I just think it's funny. Like, it's, yeah. it's poetic and it didn't cost them anything because they basically picked up a depth forward who's still, I mean, he's still pretty good. He has yeah, eight goals and it's, 19 it's, points this year. That's not terrible. That's not great. But, and they managed to get that production. For a conditional third-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick, right? Nothing so, was guaranteed. Like, there's a chance that their picks are going to change solely based on how he performs, and that to me is, I mean, think that's, mean, that's, that's the same a trade
0: deal. That's the same trade with Zajac, though. Also, Zajac gives them uh, the Islanders' depth at center, which. Um, they they needed last play. If one of their centers goes down, you need, you know, it's you need depth of that position. So I think his versatility helps. And I, I guess Jeff having Jeff Carter, who's also a center and then could also play for, you know, on the wing if you need having that versatility help. So uh, and I think it, it was it was. The Islanders gave a first, and then like a conditional fourth, which turns into a third. Yeah. I'm assuming it's if it's you win the cup, it turns or go to the cup, it turns into a third. So, I mean, yeah, and they they got the. I think and the they
1: lost a couple like throwaway prospects in there too. Um,
0: yeah, the guys. Those are just contracts. Those are not guys that were ever gonna. Um, which is
1: yeah, I think that's it's just it's weird. Like I I think that a first round pick. For Kyle Palmieri, the way he's been playing this year, I think, is a little weird. I, I think they probably could have gotten him for a little bit less. Uh, I just... I I feel like Lou Lamarello can't help himself. And he's not he calling does. Travis Zajac a bad player. It's just... It's like you almost know exactly who he's going to trade for because he only like he he can't help himself. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to get this player who who didn't play under me and I'm perfectly fine picking him up." Oh, but I need some center depth. Mm. Can I have can I have this one, please? Uh, well, who, who,
0: what what other player cuz they needed a, another top six forward and another top nine forward. I I mean, I'm perfectly fine with it. I what I thought was interesting was they they circled back on Hall after that trade as well cuz they still had cap room. No, I think that would have been something if they were if he was able to get Hall, Palmieri, and Zajac, but I think that would have been a situation. I think it uh, would have
1: been kind of redundant. A, it, like, it that would too, have been a little...
0: Too, too many cooks in the kitchen type thing. And
1: too many new guys. Too many new guys, many new be guys. yeah. Because it, you, it's a you team, have to find a way to make them work. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's, uh, but it's a team that I, I think it's... Their chemistry is very important. And you know what? To be fair... You know, when you get traded, like from one city to another, especially in COVID, it's a lot. Like, yeah. especially if you're, if you're going to Canada, and or you're going from one city to another across the country, it's a lot, and that probably means you're not gonna, you know, get to do. You're not gonna see your family, and he traded. Well, it's
1: kind of cool that they, yeah, they get to, they still get to see their families because they're, they're, they're in gonna, across the river.
0: I mean, they're gonna be. It's it's a comfort, comfort, uh, comfortable. It being comfortable matters. You're okay. I
1: think.
0: Yes. I'm not having a stroke. Uh, being comfortable matters, and you know what? That might. Uh, I know it's we. You know, it's silly, but that could matter too. And these guys will probably be. Paul Mary's from Long Island originally, as houses out there. So, I think it's a good trade. I I'm I'm happy with it. Um, but I'm I not
1: happy. Oh, he he
0: always goes for his old. He always goes for his uh old guys. I mean, that's whatever. I'm not going to complain. This is the the best team I've gotten to watch my entire lifetime the past 3 years. So, it's working there. This is the best team they've had just and the numbers are the advanced numbers are really backing it up. So, It'll be interesting to see. I think now the East is just a full-on bloodbath now because I think the Bruins are going to be really good. I think sticking Taylor Hall next to David Krejci finally David Krejci finally gets a really good winger to play with him. Then you have those three forwards on the top line with Marshawn, Pasternak, and Bergeron. and then I don't think I would want to play the Bruins in the first round. Um, the Penguins are the Penguins, and you never count out Sidney Crosby and Malkin in the playoffs and then the Capitals are you know you have Al, you have Ovechkin you have a bunch of sh- like really great shooting talent on that team now even adding Matha I, I don't love that trade but it's he's he's still pretty good uh those that those playoff series I think are going to be brutal and I'm not I'm not looking forward to them
1: No those are going to be but it's and funny because as our segue there, um, I do think that uh, as as brutal as those are going to be, the Honda West playoff series is going to no be one, just a sh- shit show.
0: No one wants that fourth spot. No. no one
1: wants that fourth spot. And it's it's kind of funny when you look at the standings in the West uh, ahead of the like ahead of the ahead of the season. We were talking about our predictions, and I think. Either we both put Colorado first or one of us put Colorado and one put Vegas. And we said, oh, they're very clearly going to be ahead of everyone else. Yes. Um, and yes. then we said it's going to be, then it's very clearly going to be St. Louis. That's the second tier. And then it's going to be either Minnesota or Arizona. They're going to be battling it out. Yep. And sure enough, uh, Colorado and Vegas are neck and neck. Um Colorado's a little farther ahead, but they're within within a game here. Yeah. Basically, and then Strike distance. And then the third place team is Minnesota. They came kind of out of nowhere, and uh, they're very comfortable. Uh, the third,
0: Minnesota.
1: Yeah, Kirill Kaprazov has been fantastic yeah. for them. Um, out of nowhere, yep. And and then you have St. Louis, who is three six and one in their last ten games. And to put that into perspective, they have won their last three games.
0: Yeah. So they were
1: it, out. They lost seven straight and the coyotes have lost four in a row now, but are five, five and oh. So the coyotes are directly below St. Louis. They're a point off, but they have two game. Uh, St. Louis has two games in hand on them. And then three points below Arizona is San Jose, um, who are doing that super fun thing that they like to do where they win games, even though Martin Jones can't stop a puck. Yeah. Um, they're still they in it. Have, they're 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 kind of still in it. They have to they have to really come on strong down the back stretch. I mean, um Yeah, which they going to be kind of weird. I don't know if they're going to maybe they'll be able to do it and if so good for them. Um I'd be it were, happy for Eric Carlson, I guess. Um
0: Yeah, it would really have to take uh you know what they're not going to do it. They have they have the Wilds and then they have the Golden Knights and the Wild and the like yeah, their their sh- stretch run is brutal. Um so I I got I wish that I could look at who has the easiest schedule because then I'd say okay. You know what's funny? St. Louis and Arizona don't play each other anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know had, why? They, because they had to play their entire season series that, over like a 2-week yep. stretch while everyone else in the division had covid. So Yeah,
0: that's a bummer. It Would have been cool to um I think
1: it that would have been, been cool been. especially because the Coyotes were were struggling to start the season a little bit. They were having a little bit of trouble. Um they they kind of I think they kind of rattled themselves um during their very first playoff appearance in uh let's see it was the 2020 playoff. So in 8 years uh their last one was in 2012 and they they kind of they got a little a little scared, a little skittish um played Colorado in the first round after doing a really good job of beating Nashville in the play-in round and got whooped by Colorado and they came into the season looking like, like they were still trying to forget that. Um, and when they reached St. Louis, everyone was a little nervous because they, uh, they'd had so much trouble to start the season. They were a little inconsistent. A lot of their players were having trouble starting to score. Um, We thought it was going to be more of the same and they ended up really showing that I would say Arizona and St. Louis are on the same tier this year. They they're really similar teams in terms of consistency and talent. And a lot of Arizona players have a few of them have underwhelmed. They've had some players who have, uh, who've struggled with consistency. They've had some injuries, uh, their defensive core, which I thought looked really good. I want to say it was two years ago. They had a really surprisingly good defensive core, uh, started to struggle last year, and then really started to fall apart this year. Um, but they they look pretty similar to St. Louis, and I think things could change for Arizona if one of Darcy Kemper or Auntie Ramta could finally get off injured reserve, because they've both been parked there for a couple yeah. weeks now. And so they're, they're currently running with Aiden Hill, who... I, I'm still not super confident in him as a long term NHL, or at least not in the next uh, season or two. I'm um
0: more confident than him in him than I am in St. Louis's Jordan Bennington, who whatever reason that contract yikes.
1: Uh, it's I, fun watching him melt down though. Like I, yeah, he, I I maintain that I enjoyed his tantrum. I thought it was fun, yeah, but but below Arizona's San Jose, uh, which is a little I, I don't think they can do it, but
0: no, they they're gonna drop out. They have a brutal, um, they have a brutal, brutal, brutal stretch run here.
1: And then there's, then there's the Kings, um, who kind of surprised people this year. Um, they they, they were they, they were really, floating
0: around that playoff spot for a little bit.
1: Yeah, they were. They they bottomed out a few like over the last few years. I really thought this was a rebuild year for them. They traded away Jack Campbell last year, uh, who was kind of. I mean, they they brought up Cal Peterson and kept around the the shell of Jonathan Quick I don't know if they currently have Bill Ranford like wearing Jonathan Quick's skin as like a suit and just pretending <laughs> that he's still able to play um I mean you they've can't been doing get rid of it. Right. they've been yeah it over they're, they're it's perfect,
0: <laughs> perfectly fine they've played some like, exciting games they've held their own in some games that's that's all you want in a young team I think um like them and then they're gonna get another kind of high draft pick and that's that's good for them and uh you know this that talent's gonna grow for them and they'll i think i think a lot of people the consensus is they really like their prospect pool i think people think it's one of the strongest if not the strongest prospect pool in the nhl right now so it's a, a pretty
1: good prospect pool uh and then then there's the saddest team in the division um yeah, we talked Ducks- a lot about Buffalo, how they're going nowhere fast. They finally let's let's pour one out for for the Buffalo Sabers who won their tenth game this year. Uh, they've now played in forty-two games and they've won ten, so good for them. Um, and then Ottawa has nice strong fourteen wins, good for them. Uh, Detroit has fifteen. God, that's bad. Um, and then. You have Anaheim, who is the second worst team in the league after Buffalo. Um, they have 13 wins this year. They have 33 points. They're so far behind that even even with I I would kind of equate St. Louis, Arizona, and San Jose like heading into the playoff run as it's kind of like they're all playing with their parking brakes on. Um, yeah, and Anaheim is. Still they're a full ten points behind Arizona. Yeah, like that's they're so bad this year. There's so, I I'm shocked at how bad they are. I thought they're they were even, gonna be bad, yeah. but not the worst. And they're they have a minus forty goal differential. Uh John Gibson, it seems like they've kind of broken him a little bit. Uh he has a nine oh four save percentage. He's struggling.
0: Right. Yeah, very that's very low for someone of John gibson's caliber and it's hard that's hard to blame him um
1: it's not his fault it's not his fault at all. no
0: i i wouldn't not, not at all um i'm so su- surprised they didn't do more at the deadline just talking about the deadline i'm the surprised hell? they didn't try to i, I do
1: think that that team they think they're they're ready to take a step forward um because a lot of it for them has been inconsistency from guys who are who were still young and still growing a little bit um and they do yeah. have uh they have a very good goalie prospect who is coming up uh underneath John Gibson. Uh I think Anthony Solaris has been a, a nice bright spot for them. He has a 939 save percentage. He's the only goalie on their team with a winning percentage. Um and then at the AHL level, they currently have oh, Anthony Solaris isn't he didn't play in San Diego at all. Oh, that makes me sad. Uh so, looking at the San Diego goals, they have Lucas Dostal, who has been their starter. His numbers have kind of dropped off a teeny tiny bit this year. Um, but he has a 910 save percentage, and that's after starting to struggle with the rigors of being the starter for them. Uh, he started off the season with like a 960 save percentage in his first North American season. He's wow. unbelievable good and it's kind of cool uh fun fact the san diego goals goalie coach is also one of their goalies uh jeff glass who some may remember is the goalie who made like the world's oldest nhl debut for the chicago blackhawks a couple of years ago um he is their fourth goalie um and he has played in three games for them not done particularly well but he's He's a player coach for them, so he's been helping out with coaching. Uh when uh when Sudzy, who's the NHL goalie coach, isn't really able to be there. Um and so it's kinda cool, uh good for them. But yeah, I think they're the yeah, the ducks are they're bad. They're very bad. Um but to selfishly focus on the Arizona Coyotes for a hot second, uh Phil Kessel has finally become what the Coyotes hoped he would be for them, and he is currently in their scoring lead.
0: Oh, good for no, good for Phil
1: for him. Yeah. Uh, he he looked like he was gonna start off a little slow again, and he seemed like because last year he he struggled in Arizona a little bit. Uh, I believe he yeah last year he had 14 goals and 38 points in 70 games, which is not awful production, but for Phil Kessel, I would argue it kind of is. It was his first year not hitting 20 goals since his uh, his second season in the NHL in 2007-2008, uh, which was, uh, that was, what, 13 years ago? Um, yeah. And then he, he had a goal in four points in the playoffs, uh, kind of disappeared for them there turns out he was playing injured which is what he does because uh, he doesn't believe in taking games off um but i think having that that pandemic break actually gave him a chance to rest up so he already has more goals this year in 43 games than he did in 70 last yeah, year
0: he can he might hit uh he might get to that 20 again yeah you should get a really high possible. clip yeah it's,
1: He's he's shooting in a Phil Kessel clip though, which is nice. Uh, it's it's refreshing to see that. Um, yeah,
0: he always had a great shot. It's it's they, they all seem to be dropping for him, which is nice to see. He's someone I always root for.
1: He's a lot yeah. of fun. He, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, he, he seems. I I never liked how he got ran. How out Toronto of treated him. It was <laughs> how Boston and then Toronto treated him. Yeah, really. I mean, for-
1: Boston did okay with him. They they. They could have done a little better there, but... I, I, was,
0: I think it was a contract dispute, and then they traded him yeah. for for two firsts, which then turned into Tyler Sagan and then Dougie Hamilton. Dougie so.
1: Hamilton, which I think yeah, is a, it's it was, a pretty nice haul for, for a player of his caliber. Um,
0: yeah, it's an incredible and haul.
1: And obviously, obviously won them a, a Stanley Cup there. Um, got, but, yeah, I, yeah, he I don't know got if you a, remember about Stanley Cup. I do.
0: Uh I just remember Vancouver burning to the ground for some reason that year. So maybe it had something to do with that. Um,
1: but yeah, yeah. he's, uh, he's in their scoring lead, which is nice. That's uh, cool, good for him. They, they've had a couple of players who once again are dealing yeah. with a little, a little bit of the, the growing pains that come with when you look at their, their top performing players right now, uh, just in goals alone. Um, the leader is obviously Phil, who has who is 32, and then Christian Dvorak is 24, Jacob Chikrin is 22, Clayton Keller is 22, Nick Schmaltz is 24, Connor Garland's 24, and then Derek Brassard is 32, Johan Larson's 28, but then Michael Bunting, who's been the best story in the world this year, uh, he's only 24. So all of their sort of high-performing players this year are 24 and below, and that's that that comes with some growing pains uh but Christian Dvorak's been doing pretty well he he has 12 goals this year 23 points he's kind of fallen off a little bit but it was really doing well for them to start uh Jacob Chikrin is currently he is uh let's see he's one two three he's fourth in scoring on the team as a defenseman and that's He's a 22-year-old defender with 12 goals. I think that's that's super awesome. I don't think it's getting nearly enough credit uh, around the league in terms of just looking at defensive performances uh, because the rest of their defense is kind of bad. But we're seeing Nick Schmaltz kind of continue to hit his stride a little bit. Connor Garland kind of fell off goal-scoring-wise, but he's second only to Phil Kessel in scoring right now, which is, Kind of where we would hope Connor Garland would be, because um, when you draft a guy in the fifth round, uh, you hope he's he's the answer to all your prayers, obviously. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, like he's he's about to hit his uh, his scoring totals from last year. He's uh, he's not scoring goals at quite the same rate, but his overall scoring uh, is only eight points off, um, which is kind of nice. To see that he's he's taking those continuing to take those steps forward, but uh, but Michael Bunting, um, for our listeners, Michael Bunting was a uh, drafted by the Arizona Coyotes in the fourth round in 2014. He was drafted the same year that the Coyotes picked up Christian Dvorak. Um, and when he got drafted, he uh was it was his first year playing in. The Sioux. He played for the sioux marie Greyhounds under under Kyle Dubas actually. Um, and before he played for in the Sioux, uh, he'd only played, I believe it was one year of AAA hockey. He went through high school only playing high school hockey, wow. and because he he's from Scarborough, which is a uh, which is where my mom is from in the suburb of Toronto. Uh, it's not, not a particularly affluent part of Toronto. It's a little more working class. Um, and to save his parents some money, he decided to stick with playing high school sports. Um, and he played pretty much every sport. He played like badminton, tennis, uh, he played volleyball for the school too. Um, very much like the ADHD kid who needed to calm down. So he played everything all day. Uh, and then once he finished playing high school sports he worked out a payment plan with uh, I think it was the the St. Mike's Flyers um in Toronto and managed to managed to play a year of of AAA hockey uh and Kyle Dubas who's kind of known for for looking for those diamonds in the rough uh who have the work ethic but maybe not the same pedigree or the same the same trajectory uh, took a chance on him in the Sioux uh, and he was almost a point per game. His first year playing uh, managed to surpass that his second year um, was a super fun player there. He played with a he played on a line with uh, Jared McCann, uh, who people may remember is the guy that the Vancouver Canucks traded away for Peanuts, a.k.a. Eric Gabranson. Um, and, So the Coyotes kind of liked what they saw. They they thought he did a really good job of making the best of not having the same elite upbringing, hockey-wise. So they drafted him late. And he's the only remaining player who started off in the Coyotes' farm system back when they were still in Springfield, before they moved to Tucson. So he started with the team in 2015. Uh, and he's been in the minors other than a five game stretch, uh, in 2018 19. And then for the last two seasons, once again, he was like exclusively in the AHL. Uh, managed to get his shot to come up and uh, scored a goal on his first shot in his first game. Wow, and then scored a hat trick in the game after that. So he currently has six goals. And seven points in eight games for the Coyotes. <laughs> so I think he's obviously he's from my mom's hometown. Uh, he's he's one of the fr- he's actually I think he's the first professional hockey player I ever got a chance to interview. Um, Very cool. I asked him I asked him a couple questions about Curtis McDermott, uh, who's a Kings. I guess he's on the Kings now, but he was a Kings prospect at the time during training camp uh years and years ago um and he's the first pro hockey player that Izzy got to meet um because I had to interview him one time while I was wearing her in a front pack um and he's also the player who I've seen fight entire benches more than any other um Connor Garland gets into a lot of that where he just mouths off to the other team. He's kind of a small scrappy guy and they, they like to come after him and Michael Bunting does it more. So when I interviewed him in 2015, he told me that the player he wanted to be when he grew up was Brad Marchand.
0: Oh my God.
1: So so obviously I, I was a little worried when he came up that having that mentality and that style of play, if he wasn't, producing scoring wise uh that's it's kind of hard to justify keeping a guy like that in the lineup because he's not super defensively responsible he's he's like martian he's good defensively but he's not like a fourth line specialist uh but he's very clearly found his scoring touch at the nhl level um the rest of the team has forgotten it over the last few games he's the only one who's been scoring so
0: i mean that's that's awesome that's Anytime, you know, you get a a guy that's, I don't want to say career, minor leaguer, but, you know, has been...
1: He was getting close to it at this. I mean, he's he's only 25, but...
0: Yeah, but it's... Usually at that point. A little older. A little older for a guy to... But, hey, that's just some people in life sometimes. They're late bloomers. And I always nice to hear about a kid that stuck with high school hockey instead of, you know... Um, I like it because I played high school hockey. I I didn't do I didn't play travel. Uh, I liked playing high school hockey, and it's I mean, it's cool. It's good for him. That's that's a great story. And who knows? Maybe he'll be a big. The Coyotes didn't make any any. Maybe he's their big deadline acquisition.
1: I think it honestly I I do think that it helped having him there because they've had they've had some injury struggles. Uh, which seems to be their their go-to there they've uh they've had some injury issues with it seems like just about every position on the team um and so they brought him up to fill in for for a handful of forwards who've been getting a little banged up and uh he one of the one of the reasons he hadn't made it up before that is he's a little he's a little more shandy right and he he sometimes likes to likes to mess around a little bit and I think they thought he didn't necessarily take it as seriously as he could have. Cause he's been, he's currently their all time leading scorer at the AHL level. Um, okay. And so usually when you have a guy who is a point per game player at the AHL level, they get at least a few looks at the NHL and he didn't. Um, but I think he took it a little more seriously this year. And then, when he did start scoring for them, I think that helped them justify not uh not really pulling the trigger either way at the at the trade deadline because they are right on the bubble both they and San Jose kind of kind of stayed put and uh I think that having someone in their prospect system who came up and immediately made an impact, they were like, okay well we'll see what we have with what we've got, and we're not going to try and." we're not going to trade away the future to bring in additional help, but we're not going to, we're not going to get rid of players. If, if there's a chance that, that we can get something done here. Um, He, he did get himself in a really big fight. Uh, I believe Connor Garland was involved too, which is a huge shock. um, In one of their recent games. Uh, But I was down in Tucson one year uh, watching, watching a Roadrunners game, and heard one of my favorite chirps. Uh, I know we talked about it beforehand, Mikey. Most players don't really go after people's families anymore. And for the most part, I, I don't think he necessarily went after family and in the major way that you sometimes hear, but he did. He, he skated by and just kind of smirked. He's got this like very marsh andy face, like he looks a little bit like a rat. And he just said, "He, your sister sucked my knob. And yeah, I, I don't have, like that. Man. I love that. No, that's,
0: that's a, I don't like when you, when guys go after family members, that's like you're asking to get like, I, I think you're asking for an elbow to the head when your head's down, et yeah, cetera. Right.
1: He kind of was and I think that's okay. He uh and he he's a good person off the ice. He does a lot in the community. He uh when he did come up last time cuz he did have that very brief stint uh 3 seasons ago um he was he was a very tentative call up right? Like he was the first one who was going to be sent back down and he was one of I think it was four or five players who wore pride pride tape during their hockey is for everyone game. Um so he's he's definitely not like a shit head, but he's a shit heel. And he I I did see one point where I looked over and he was standing by the other team's bench and kind of like that meme from Tangled where where the prince, uh, Flynn Rider has like all the knives pointed at him. Oh my God. Him I, he, was I, he was like backed up against the wall, like backed meme. up against the yeah. board. Get
0: that smart. <laughs> And he had like
1: every other team, like every other player on, on the other team was like at his throat, and you could see his mouth still moving. I was like, oh, he's not stopping. He's gonna die. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's <laughs> when you. The
1: knob is cool. what I like. Like that was so creative. That's, you, you don't hear that kind of that kind of verbiage usually there's a much more vulgar word being used and just just tossing out the knob like that was yeah I expected it I thought that was it was funny like it it made me laugh because usually they don't like who says knob
0: I think there's more clever like, ones
1: there there are more clever ones and I know you you brought one up beforehand uh your your favorite one recently
0: yeah there's a couple was um I forgot who on the Bruins it was um
1: it was Nick Ritchie,
0: right i I think it was Nick hang on, I'm looking up their roster. i just if I see this guy's fucking name, I'll remember it so um but they're playing they were playing the uh they were playing the New Jersey Devils, and it might have been it might have been Nick Ritchie um it was one of their fourth line bottom six players, and he was going at it with c bond for. P.K. Subban on the Devils. They're chirping each other all game. And he's like, why? Let's say it was Nick Ritchie for all intents and purposes. He's like, why don't you fight me? Like, fight me. And P.K. Subban's like, I'll fucking fight you. But I'm going to fight you when I'm, like, nice and ready to fight you. And uh, (laughs) he just goes, oh, yeah. He's like, why don't you just go post another fucking workout video, you fucking (laughs) sister. (laughs) And then it's just like, oh, it's pretty. Oh, wait, was it Matt? No, not Mac Trent Frederick. That's who it was. It was oh. Trent Frederick. Sorry, not Nick Ritchie. It was oh. Trent Frederick that said that. So
1: our our, our friends at the Bruins and Bruins podcast are gonna be really sad that you didn't remember that. Uh yeah. They they love Trent Frederick over there. He seems to be like a he's a new cult favorite in Boston. Which, yes, he is. Which, he with with a after, line like that, I get it. He
0: he went after Tom Wilson after the Carlo hit, if I recall too. I also, really a, a really old yeah. shirt from. This was probably like ten or eleven years ago, but it's, you know, we had those, uh, the, those Winter Classic shows on HBO. Um, what the hell was yeah, it called? Yeah, the
1: Road to the Winter Classic. What
0: Road to the Winter Classic? And you got, you you got to hear a lot during uh, because a lot of guys wore mics and stuff while that was filming, and I remember it, it was one of the years the Red Wings were a Winter Classic team. And they they show the games leading up to the winter classic and they were uh they're playing the Islanders and uh it was when they I, I think it was early on in Matt Martin's career, and I guess uh he he hit a player on the Red Wings and the player didn't like it, and uh they they both skip back to their respective benches and the guy starts chirping at Martin and he's like He's like, we don't do that shit here. He's like, you know, that's that's minor league shit. There, that's minor league shit. And Matt Martin looked at him. And was like, bro. He's like, you were in the minors longer than I was. <laughs> and then I guess he was. <laughs> and then the guy's like, he's like, still. He's like, that's that's minor league shit. And then Matt Martin just stares at him and goes, go dye your hair. And then <laughs> that was it. And everyone's just like. Go did, Matt dye your Mar- hair. did Matt Mar just go tell him to go dye? It, it was the most random. Like,
1: go dye your hair. <laughs> for- I love
0: he's that. Just like, he's just like, go dye your hair, and everyone's like, uh, <laughs> it, I, it's just it stuck with Islander fans forever. That was that saw that clip, so that that was another one of my. Uh, favorite chirps, but ch- yeah, Trent Frederick telling PK Subon to post another workout video. And I love PK Subon, he's one of my favorite players in the league. But that was he, he chirps, uh, like no other two.
1: I like, uh, I think that Travis Konechny is still probably the best chirper currently in the game. Uh, they did a they mic'd him up, I think it was either last year or the year prior. Um, and it was it was one of the funnier videos i've ever i've i've seen cuz he just he chirps his own teammates and uh basically anytime he speaks he makes fun of uh makes fun of the other like whoever he's speaking whether it's his teammate or the other team and uh he was i don't remember who he was talking to but he was like yeah yeah, why would I believe that? I was born that night, not last night, bud, and just kept skating. And I was like, "What?" But he's he's the one who I uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm I'm looking and I can't find anything that's a text. I'd have to open up a video. Um, but he's the one who who made that face uh, when he was being like pulled away from a fight and. Just like hold that, uh, like the the buck teeth face. Uh,
0: oh yes. And
1: yeah. whoever it was, it was against the Islanders. Who was he fighting? Was it was that? I guess that might have been against uh Jordan Everly. Um,
0: oh. Then know he
1: fought at Everly at one point. Uh. And Crap and he day. just like turned and made that made that buck tooth face, and I I feel like making that face at people at least once a day. So.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally remember that. I think. I don't know if was it in the bubble last year?
1: Um I think it was I it really think that, it was Uh
0: playoff series.
1: It was it was when there was a Yeah, it was definitely in the playoffs. Uh, so it must have been this last one. Um
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, when he just turned and made the face uh that if I was on the ice, I probably would have wanted to punch him. Um, but it was it was it's fun to troll. watch. Um,
0: it's a good troll.
1: Yeah, he's he's a very good troll. Uh, it was it was against uh, it was against Jordan Everly. I just uh, I just was... found it. So he fought Everly, and then he like was being pulled away by the official, and turned and looked back, and was like yapping back and forth. And I guess whatever was said to him, he
0: uh, was a. Uh... And it was in the bubble.
1: It was, yeah. Um,
0: I wonder if he made that face after on the handshake line after the Flyers lost in Game Seven. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Look at oh. Yeah, you. You uh, But in so uh, fact, uh, that face—he's uh, he and his uh, that, partner that, are are expecting. So good that's, for him. that's about to be a dad. Um, I, I, I love seeing the I, the least exactly. responsible mature players uh yeah. joining me in parenthood makes me feel a little better about my own my own behavior as a parent but
0: uh yeah that gif of him i remember everyone's like ah it's so funny <laughs> it's a funny face to make during it's like and in, in the middle of a playoff after being in a scrum with someone and just like
1: yeah you like try and beat their brains out you turn away and make that face at them that's a uh,
0: it must have been a, it must have been where they like you're like they
1: were saying something to him because he yeah
0: they must have talking
1: if, back and forth for a second and he was like continuing to skate away in probably the after a
0: whistle or something when you like kind of give someone a face wash with your glove uh, yeah I I, I, I think I, I vividly remember that now um, and on that note I think that's all we have for this week right
1: I think it is uh
0: yeah it's my bedtime over here
1: yeah god it's it's late where you are i'm i'm sorry to our to our listeners uh i'm officially back in pacific time now and so yeah we'll make we make it work though it's fun well we'll make it work now that now that we're not getting getting vaccinated and drinking 12 beers
0: yes so. absolutely and um yeah we'll be hopefully i i've don't think we'll have as big of a layoff this time um well something happens life happens right that's what we've learned the past Not lie. Really. Uh, yeah yeah but yeah we'll be back and i know i said this last week but i think next time we will have guests and uh yeah it'll be something to look forward to so we will catch you guys uh on the flippity flop
1: on the flippity flop
0: see y'all on the flippity flop thank you for listening
1: All the